This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the business at hand is the business of film and television and commercial production and print production and the behind-the-scenes business of supplying the industry with talent. So I'm very pleased to have as my guest today Sarah Carpenter, the president, and Sarah Reed, the vice president of Atlanta Models and Talent. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Ron. Let's uh, let's start off uh, right here at the top and um, uh, tell listeners uh, in general uh, what Atlanta Models and, and Talent does, and then throughout the program we'll be drilling down to talk more specifically about areas of television, commercial production, film production, uh, and modeling. But in, in general, um, either one of you can answer this question. In fact, Sarah, how do you answer the question? Uh, or, or, or rather, Susan, how do you answer the question uh, when people uh, ask you straight away, well, what does Atlanta Models and Talent do? Uh, and they may, like most people, have a little bit of knowledge, but not really much knowledge. Yeah, Ron, I think there's a, a great misconception about what agents do within the scope of the business because oftentimes people think that we are actually casting the productions that we work on. But, in fact, we are representing talent through all of those different arenas, whether or not it's commercial, industrial, voiceover, TV and film, or modeling. We are representing that talent that we have. So we are actually pitching them and submitting them on projects that come into us, whether that's you know the, the latest production of, of Sleepy Hollow that's airing, the different roles that are on that are going to be released to us, and then we submit our talent for those roles, and then casting asks to see them, and we help to facilitate getting them those auditions and then booking them on those and then actually going through with the deal as well and and negotiating that deal to help make sure that they get paid the right you know the money that they should get paid and housed and all of those good things if if that's part of the procedure for that given show or feature so we're talking essentially in talent representation um, and the people with whom uh, you deal uh, to supply that talent are generally uh, casting directors, but also in some cases for some advertising agencies, for example, those might be a creative director. Um, tell Absolutely. Us, tell us a little bit about those those relationships and 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 uh, what you do to stay in touch with what their needs are, and and we might as well talk a little bit about uh, that process of how they ever begin to contact you. Um, do they? put out the word? Do they have a uh, shopping list of needs? Mm -hmm. um, I'm certain in some cases it's just one person that a agency uh, is seeking out, but in other cases, if it's a big production company and they need lots of folks, um, tell us a little bit about the relationship with those casting directors or those creative directors. Well, um, for the most part, Ron, uh, we generally deal with casting directors, um, especially in the TV and film end of it. Um, with what I do, industrials and commercials, I may be dealing with a casting director. I may be dealing with a producer um, who could be a production company producer or a advertising agency producer. And they reach out to us via email, via phone call, via casting website. 
with their needs. And we talk about the project, we get all the details, uh, and then we submit according to what their needs are. And then the selection process begins, the audition process, the callback process, and then eventually, hopefully, booking the job. You know, I, I sort of misspoke when I said uh, creative director because as a f- creative director and when my agency produced uh, film, video, or commercials, um, I handled much of that. And so in some sense, I was the, the production, uh, the director of production. And a lot of small agencies don't have a dedicated uh, director of production, but these days um, that is a, a specialized area. And so obviously, if it's the agency you're working with directly, that's who you'd be working with. But more often than not, agencies are actually engaging a production company. Correct. Okay. More so often than not, we are dealing with the production company on my end of it um, because the agency will... They will basically. What happens is an agency goes to several production companies and gets bids on the jobs, and then whatever production company wins the bid is the one that usually puts out all the information. Let's um, step back here and, and and share with listeners. Your title, Sarah, is president, and you're the head of the commercial and industrial division. I want to have you uh, tell me um, what that encompasses. Um, I handle all commercials coming through the agency and industrials in terms of training films, sales tools, internal videos. Um, some of it is uh, accessible to the public um, via website, via DVD, however the company distributes it. Um, but my whole, the majority of my work is about advertising. Um, and it's a completely different subject than what Susan G. Reed does, which is TV and film, and it, it's, I think it's more intricate in terms of the rules and regulations and the fact that we're sagging after franchised and, you know, what we have to go by being a franchised agency. And it's, and it's a, it's a, my, what I like about my job the best is that it's sort of, we, we call it the turn and burn division because it's constantly turning and burning. You know, you, you could be working on 20 projects at once and they're done in three or four days. You mentioned saying after. T- tell listeners out there what those two organizations uh, are. Yes, that's the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Radio, uh, of Television and Radio Artists. And you know, most people would think that when you say TV that that encompasses commercial, but they're such totally different animals. Um, television productions, whether or not it's a... Uh, a game show that needs uh, talent uh, to, to host or uh, a, a television production that is a comedy or a drama is in some sense more like a, a, a film and, and, and it and involves production companies in that sense but commercials are that completely different. Totally. I mean it's advertising. Yeah. It's and in fact w- you know, we had a conversation uh, before uh, the program uh, Afimo Omolami is a, uh, a, a local talent that has uh, become a, a recognized actor. And we, uh, in fact, you mentioned uh, that he's on the program True Detective, 
which is becoming one of my favorite. Uh, uh, it's a great shows. show. It's a fabulous show. It, it really is a fabulous show. Uh, it, it uh, you know, I hate to to, to say that it's uh, um, painting a very uh, interesting uh, portrait of the underbelly of um, Southern California, but that's what it's doing. <laughs> And uh, uh, with incredible uh, acting talent, an incredible acting ensemble, he, uh, Avimo started here in Atlanta some 30 plus years ago. And in fact, I engaged him for a production on behalf of the Coca-Cola Company. It was a corporate production uh, that was a live production that we then videotaped and was used internally. And that's another thing that you do is some things which are industrial and used in some cases internally. So in this case, we have a a gentleman who sort of crosses over a few different uh, uh, genres there. And, um, And for that... Uh, even though I was sort of the writer and executive producer, I engaged a production company who would have worked if Afima Ombalami was one of your talents all those years ago that then would have dealt with you. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. And, and, and honestly, most of the talent that we represent, most of our clients are across the board. They do everything from film and television to print to voiceover to industrials. Um, uh, the exception would be is if somebody is not actually living here in Atlanta right now. They may just be TV and film. Say they, you know, t- go to New York. I'm going to New York for six months to study. So then they would only be TV and film auditions because that's all uh, done electronically pretty much these days. Even though there's more crossover than ever, um, um, models that become actors um, and actors that become models, is it still? somewhat true that um, models are more likely to focus on modeling and that there are probably more actors that do some modeling or is it the reverse or is it just now goes in both directions? I believe it goes in both directions actually. Um, I think the models are coming in thinking modeling and they see what's happening with you know commercials and TV and film and they're like I think I want to be an actor. So we give them guidance as to what to do and how to get the training. Um, we have one young man, uh, f- as an example, uh, that just, he was brought in, he was scouted by our print division and model division, and uh, they brought him in, and he said, I, I really want to act. And so we gave him direction, guidance, go to this instructor, do this, do this, do this. He did everything we asked, and within a year, this young man has become a solid actor. And the actors and professionals that are most successful in our business are the ones that are business people at the end of the day. So we aren't working in an industry here where you can really choose to only be an actor in TV and film if you want to be successful financially. You've really got to be a business person that markets yourself, and you're able to actually do those commercial jobs, those modeling jobs, those print jobs, and also the television and film side. As someone who's open to leveraging their skills Absolutely. In, 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 in a broad range of ways, which is... is uh, to a large extent, what you help them do. Yes. Um, Susan, and I'm talking to Susan Reed, the vice president of the TV and film division, tell us about the scope of what you do in that role. Sure. So our focus is working on all of these 
feature films that are coming in and primarily that what we refer to as episodics, which is what we would call it, the layman would call that a TV show, but in the industry we call it an episodic. And as Sarah said, in the commercial industrial side of things, she's getting a number of projects. She's, she's submitting on those, buzzing through those. They're casting them pretty quickly. They're shooting them. Well, if you're film, if you're working on something like an episodic, it's going to start filming in the fall and it's going to shoot, it could shoot, you know, through into the spring to some degree, depending on how long it shoots and how many episodes are being shot. And so we are working on these shows for months, a number of months, rather than Sarah's projects, which are often just a, a few days or a week. So there's a real interesting sort of commitment that you take. And the shows fall into such different genres. One of the most important things for the actors that are coming to us and that are new to our arena, we say, do you know the shows that are shooting here? Because what you need to do for an audition for Vampire Diaries is very different than what you need to do for an audition for The Walking Dead. They've got to understand what's being shot here, the types of shows that are being shot here. And this also goes for features and the types of films that are being done here. Because, again, if, if you're auditioning for a big Marvel blockbuster, that might be a very different process in terms of what you're doing acting-wise for that than something like a comedy that's being shot here. So the genre becomes really important. And, again, the length of time that we work on these projects really varies. And a feature can often go on for two or three months. You know, and most people might think... Uh, In terms of the casting. Right. That, and a lot of people might think that something like Vampire Diaries and Walking Dead, um, because of the nature of the subject matter... Are similar. Are similar, and they are, but they're different, mm-hmm. and they re- require different skill sets, and that's what yes. you help uh, uh, your clients with. We're going to talk more about um, the clients, uh, how people come to Atlanta Models and Talent, how you help them cultivate their their talents, how you work with uh, the film, the television, the commercial and industrial uh, business segments. We're here with Sarah Carpenter and Sarah Reed, or Susan Reed, uh, of Atlanta Models and Talent. We'll be right back with Sarah and Susan after this break. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary war heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare. Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. 
Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Michael Gano with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to Israel, the truth about the greatness of the Jewish state and its struggle for sovereignty and security every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Sarah Carpenter, the President, and Susan Reed, the Vice President of Atlanta Models and Talent, and we've been talking about what Atlanta Models and Talent does to help models and actors uh, to cultivate their skill sets and work with the television production community, the film production uh, community, uh, commercial, industrial, um, our Sarah's uh, focus, and film and television is Susan's focus, and we've been having them explain a little bit about how they're different and how they work with with those uh, segments. Uh, there is another area, and that's the area of print, which has traditionally been uh, a, a major focus uh, for a lot of talent agencies through the years, um, probably since the, uh, I don't know, maybe the beginning of the, the century. I don't know if there were talent agencies around in the early 1900s, but uh, certainly soon thereafter, because there was so much print, and even though the media landscape has changed and there's less print, there's still uh, a great deal of print, and Atlanta Models and Talent helps uh, models that work in that in that business segment. Is that correct? That Sarah? is correct. Yes, it is. Um, it has changed over the years um, with technology uh, and e-commerce. Um, there's less less print in this market just because because of technology. You can hire people all over the country, all over the world. And you don't necessarily, while we have a lot of corporate headquarters here, um, they don't necessarily have to hire people out of Atlanta anymore. Um, the same thing is uh, happens in the voiceover division as well. You could be in Atlanta and hire a voiceover talent in New York and just uh, do a what we call an ISDN, ISDN line or phone patch into their home studio. And it's not costing you any more money. So... That part of the, the um, industry has lightened up over the years. Now, it's not totally gone by any means, but because of technology, it doesn't have to be done in Atlanta. And, you know, the, I think the way that it, that it might have evolved is that um, you had agencies and production companies here uh, in Atlanta that, that went to New York or to the West Coast initially the digital landscape that has changed things came uh, more recently in the past uh, decade or, or two. But I do recall here in Atlanta uh, 30 years ago, um, there was at least one major client that I had that had many separate divisions with many uh, kinds of productions for many different brands, marketing to many different consumer segments. Uh, and, and it was a common understanding that... Um, so-and-so might just like to go to New York, that all the talent existed here, but they really just liked going to uh, New York. And who doesn't, right? Who doesn't? That's right. I mean, who, you can't believe that's a good point. I mean, who could blame them? And, uh, and then more recently, 
the digital landscape uh, is such that, uh, as you said, Sarah, uh, a lot of companies can produce things on their own. Individuals can produce things on their own. You can shoot your friends uh, on your iPhone. You can turn that into a, uh, a video production. You can edit it using uh, a variety of, of, of different software uh, programs. Um, you can work um, directly with a printer uh, so that you could do layout and then you send them those files and the next thing you know is you're producing your own catalogs. And one of the, the things that we had discussed before the program was about catalog production. I do remember years ago there were these big catalog production companies here in Atlanta. I think they're mostly uh, gone. There may be uh, one or two, but um, it's just one of those things that has changed. It's sort of gone the way of typography. You know, there used to be typesetters. Absolutely. Uh, and, Absolutely. Yeah. And that is one one area that took a big hit is the cataloging. cataloging. Um, I know we do work on some. I had a nice conversation with uh, the head of my print and model division last night, Keila Starr, to kind of go over this with her. And that's one of the one of the areas that's taken the biggest hit in this market is we don't do the catalogs like we used to. Yeah, I, I, I recall that I was um, working with a client that we were producing a catalog. We were working with the catalog production uh, firm, and then we realized, wow, um, we had the capability for doing layout, and we were just beginning to make that transition to digital um, files uh, that could be supplied directly to a printer, and the printers, uh, some of whom hadn't produced catalogs, were learning to do that, and the next thing you know is the army of uh, the, the relationship with the agency supplying the talent changed as well as the production of the catalog itself. And so it's an ever-changing media uh, landscape. But one thing uh, that is probably, if you were to point to the biggest change, it would be the growth of production in television and, and film uh, here in Atlanta, uh, which is really just boomed. And um, there are a few different reasons for that. But let's talk about how things in the last decade have um, skyrocketed to virtually make Atlanta arguably the number three production uh, location in North America? It's funny. They like to call us number three, but we all think we're number one here in Atlanta. Well, I mean, we have so much going on. It's in, it's incredible. I was reading in a recent uh, trade publication, the month of July has, I believe, 47 uh, TV and film productions just in the month of July. And I believe they said... Six billion in revenue in fiscal twenty fifteen already. And, and, if you, and if you were to multiply that by twelve months, I mean we're now well. And well here, over, well, yeah. here's something else I learned recently. Um, sitting with my uh, accountant, and I knew this, but when I looked at it on paper, AMT ourselves, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of agencies in town, we do a third of our business in the first six months out of the year. We do two thirds in the last six months. So as crazy busy as we've been so far, it's just going to get crazier and busier. And, and it's not just uh, the trend of our business, but it's the, the growth of the industry as well. And TV and film is booming. Everything across the board is booming here. You know, I, 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 I think probably in sheer billings related to um, the industry in general, um, New York and L.A., L.A. and New York might be number one and, and number two. But I think 
what most people wouldn't dispute is that the growth of the industry in Atlanta is number one. Absolutely. Uh, you know, p- people at one point were thinking Toronto, Vancouver. There was some discussion of Austin uh, being a production town. But the growth of the industry uh, in any other city, including New York and L.A., has not been nearly as steep as it is here uh, in Atlanta. Um Susan, tell us a little bit about you know what what you've seen in the last uh, decade or so. Um, that are, give us some examples because there are numerous uh, uh, production facilities. There uh, are, that and it continues to grow. And it's it's been amazing to watch. Even in the I've been at Atlanta Models and Talent for the past three years, and I think to see just the growth and the changes. And and I do think as an industry in the southeast, we're still figuring things out. We are still building our infrastructure, and I think you're seeing the support by individuals like Governor Deal and uh, the move towards this new film school that we'll have here, I think, that's associated with Pinewood Studios, this amazing studio that's built just south of the airport, the growth down there. There are a, a number of other studios in other general areas around the Atlanta area that are popping up as well, and you continue to see just more and more projects. That's how we see it in our numbers. So Sarah mentioned the 47 number. What you have as far as the structure of the season for television and film is you start in, in, if you look at the calendar year starting in January, you have what we refer to as pilot season that usually starts sometime in January, and that's going to go into the spring, and that will sort of start to wrap up in April. Any pilots that are shot during that time will then go to New York and be viewed, and we'll find out sometime in that sort of May to early June time period whether or not those are getting picked up. And then the summer tends to be the time that that can be a little bit slower in the industry, although it wasn't for us, but it can be a little bit slower in the industry. And then we move and roll into episodic season, which referred to as episodic season, and that starts up right now going into August and that's when all of those shows that everyone you know it's the it's the Sleepy Hollows it's the Under the Dome it's Nashville it's any number of shows that the are shot Walking in Dead the southeast the Walking uh, Dead of course Vampire Diaries the originals there's a, there is a long list of shows that start to get shot and those episodics will be shot through that fall and going into winter and then we generally get some sort of break around the holidays before you start up with that pilot season again so that's sort of the basic story. Well, let me interject here, though. Um, I've been doing this 30 years uh, at different agencies, working in casting production, and it used to be very cyclical. Uh, In the summertime, it got very quiet. And then at the holidays, from pretty much from Thanksgiving to the the, after New Year's, you were quiet again. I haven't seen that in probably three or four years. It'll slow down a little bit. We get a, we get a little bit of a breather, but it never stops. Doesn't stop. And even around the holidays, usually we have a lot going on up until about December twentieth. <laughs> then we get two days off, and uh, we get to cel- celebrate celebrate Christmas. I want to ask you. Um, some years ago, I, I, I want to give credit to a couple of local production uh, companies. Uh, uh, Vanderclute, um, Bill Vanderclute, Bill Phil, Vanderclute, uh, uh-huh. uh, and also Jesse Crawford and Crawford Productions, mm-hmm, Crawford. Were two, yep. two of the early uh, uh, production uh, facilities, uh, production companies, production facilities that um, were that first wave of uh, a 
local production companies that, that saw a growth in, in what, what uh, their workloads. Um, but I'm wondering, was it uh, the screen gems, the um, EUE screen gems uh, studio with uh, sound stages that uh, gave uh, what might be considered the, 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 the big boost to this uh, last wave of, of growth, they, they would be one of the first of the big studios that came to Atlanta? Well, I mean, the tax incentives are really what has brought a lot of this work here. And in, in work uh, by people like Rick Wrights, um, who you and I discussed earlier, and uh, Shay Griffin, and um, an organization called the Georgia Production Partnership, where they really, you know, they lobbied and lobbied to get these uh, tax incentive uh, bills passed. And then when people realized that they could come here and have these tax breaks, and they were incredible tax breaks, that uh, I think that brought Screen Gems here, and that brought... Right. In fact, I, 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 without question, I think that the, uh, the favorable uh, uh, tax uh, climate um, was perhaps the single uh, major factor in, in, in wooing uh, production companies here, um, but I was uh, curious to know whether or not it was EUE Screen Gems that was the first to sort of uh, take the plunge and, and, and come. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll talk about uh, EUE Screen Gems, about Eagle Rock Productions, Tyler Perry, uh, Pinewood Studios, who are... Um, some of your indirect clients, uh, and we're here with Sarah Carpenter, the president, and Susan Reed, the vice president of Atlanta Models and Talent. We'll be back with Sarah and Susan right after this break. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and today we're talking about the business of supplying models and acting talent um, to the film industry, the television industry, the commercial and industrial um, production industry. And we're here with Sarah Carpenter, the president, and Susan Reed, the vice president of Atlanta Models and Talent, which is uh, undeniably 
one of the, if not the, um, sources, premier sources for um, models and talent, and has been for the last 50 years, is that right? 55 years. 55 years, which uh, is older than uh, Sarah and Susan, I might add. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, but it's been around for a very long time, and... Uh, um, before we get back to talking about the studios, uh, since we, we talked about this longevity of Atlanta Models and Talent, um, we had a, a little bit of a discussion. I have I, I have worked with Atlanta Models and Talent, and it's been many years, but for um, sources of on-screen and voiceover talent, um, my perception is that the organization was always uh, very professional, high integrity. Uh, it's an industry which can be fly-by-night, and and um, uh, it's certainly that landscape has changed just because of uh, strong players uh, causing the weak players to fall by the wayside. But uh, do you think that it's just a, a matter of sheer professionalism which encompasses a lot of different little things that that an agency does right do you think it's the sheer professionalism of Atlanta Models and Talent that has uh, helped it to uh, live this long? I do believe so Um, the previous owner Kathy Hardegree um, ethically professionally was one of the best in town if not the best in town and I worked for Kathy for five years. I've known her since the mid-'80s. And when it was time for her to retire, and she and I even had this conversation that I was going to run the business as she did. She had for many, many years. And we have kept that reputation up. And we want to be known as the, the ethical agency, the one, you know, the, the one that we do it the right way. We follow the rules. And certainly the franchise is one of the things. Oh, the absolutely. fact that we're sagging after franchises mm-hmm. is, protects the actors. That's what it yeah. does. So yeah, we, those are the people we work for. We work for our, our clients, our, our actors. And a lot of agencies in town have dropped their SAG franchises and mm-hmm. joined an organization called ATA, which is the Association of Talent Agents. Well, and, and uh, that's part of the professionalism that I'm talking about is um, – doing the kinds of things that inspire a, uh, uh, a trust in your clients, the actors and the models, but also in your uh, direct um, uh, colleagues uh, on the production side, the casting directors, the film production companies, the television uh, production companies, uh, TV stations, radio stations. Um, and uh, I have the distinct impression that you've done a lot of things to uh, inspire faith uh, uh, on both sides uh, and then in, in directly uh, the studios because for one thing um, we're, we're talking about it as a business you know there, there's 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 money that's made by uh, actors uh, and models and y- you want to trust the people that are helping you um, with your livelihood. So let's talk just a little bit about how, how does a um, uh, who pays whom for what, and how does a model get paid um, or an actor? And let's start with a model that is um, uh, working in print. Very simply, let's just say they're working for a, you, there's a local publication and they want a, uh, a model that is going to be the model used for 
we'll say jewelry, uh, and uh, we we know that the jeweler plays the magazine to place the ad. Um, might even do it with a media company that buys the space, but that's where that money goes. How does the model get paid? It's very interesting because in each division, it's different, and I think the longest payment process is the print division. Because a lot of time you have your, what we call your end user, your end client, the customer, uh, you know, the jeweler. And then from there they may have a media buyer or they may have an agency. And then from there they've got a photographer. And then from there to the agent and then down to the actual talent, the client, the model. And that's one of the divisions that takes the longest to pay, actually, because it's going through so many hands to get down to us. Who cuts the model's uh, check? We cut the check because we invoice the job. Which is where I was going. That part, that trust, is what I think, in some sense, a major part of what um, a good agency is, is a good payroll company. And that's true, for example... In the staffing industry, which a lot of people don't think about, is that they are payroll companies and that you want to trust the people who are helping to oversee the payment process and who is representing you. And it's a numbers business, too. And I think that that's one of the things that really separates AMT as well is that we are not a huge agency. Look at the boom in this business. We could have 5,000 clients on our roster easily if we wanted to. We could never stop. The number of submissions, the number of actors that want to be a part of, to, to have an agent is astounding. The number of submissions that any given agent is getting on a daily basis. These are people from LA that want to be hired as local hires here. They have an aunt or an uncle and they can use their address and that can get them more bookings people from LA to the locals here this is just a growing booming business well one of the things that we pride ourselves on is keeping a relatively small talent pool and in doing that that means that we can really give 100% to our actors I always say I don't want to have a bunch of clients where I can't tell you whether or not somebody's pregnant or I can't tell you whether or not Jimmy's lost a front tooth. I need to have that information. That makes us better at what we do. That makes us responsible for our clients. We know them. We have a relationship with them. That carries over into the way that we do business and also into our into paying those talent and making sure that they trust us because we are such an important part of of their business and their success. I, I think for me personally and a lot of a lot of professionals, um, the, the the sweet spot for sources of support, uh, whether or not it's um, a physician uh, or a, a, a talent agency, uh, is uh, the high end boutique, the the or a law firm, for example. I don't want uh, several hundred attorneys. I want the firm that has a fewer number that do know a little bit more about me, uh, that he can at least uh, remember my name. Okay. And um, uh, and I, I think that's one of my perceptions of Atlanta Models and Talent is that, that you're, you're a high-end boutique. And, you know, at the risk of sounding like an infomercial, you know, I, I, I have to say that, you know, I try to invite uh, businesses to this program that, that exemplify best business practices that are highly professional. Uh, the fact that you're in a business industry segment that's a little more interesting than most mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is a bonus. But um, 
we won't beat this uh, high integrity, uh, high uh, in boutique uh, thing to death. Let's move back to talking about some of these uh, studios. We we talked about um, uh, Pinewood and EUE Screen Gems. Eagle Rock is a newcomer. We're not sure exactly uh, what's going on uh, with the production of their uh, their facility. Uh, but Sarah, you reminded me that before Screen Gems, who I was. Uh, identifying as uh, one of the first major studios to be a part of this n- new wave of production um, uh, facilities and, and make no mistake, we're talking facilities as opposed to just production companies that have crews uh, with uh, director-producer types. We're, we're talking about sound stages, um, which is sort of the nitty-gritty for uh, a lot of um, uh, studios. And um, you reminded me that Tyler Perry uh, was uh, part of the first local wave, and in fact, um, he's uh, positioned himself to just take off and 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 uh, grow by leaps and bounds. So, do we do we know what he may be doing? Well, we do know that he has recently purchased part of Fort McPherson. I don't believe he bought the whole property, but a plenty of it. Right, I think sure. it's like uh, it's huge, and yeah. so it's either forty percent. I don't think it's sixty percent, but it's something like that. Significant, which means it's many, 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 many acres, and I think, and, and I, I'm not one hundred percent sure. Um, I thought I heard that he was going to sell his other studio, and then somebody told me the other day that they heard that he was actually going to keep it and have both running. So I'm not sure where he's going with that, but he has. He was one of the pioneers. He here. may not be sure where he's he going. Might not, he might with, not know. Right? Well, I mean, there are probably pluses yeah, and minuses absolutely. to both of those scenarios. We, we we also know that Jim Jacoby, the developer, for example, uh, is is creating a, uh, a production and entertainment venue of some sort, some new uh, mixed use entertainment production hybrid, and that that may be in Norcross. It looks I like the so, old. Yes. Uh, uh, Lucent Technologies or one of the uh, telecom-related uh, 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 technology firms had some very large buildings that were suitable for conversion to sound studios, um, uh, and um, that is in the works. And many people know that Pinewood uh, purchased 200-plus uh, acres um, on the edge of the town of Fayetteville, mm-hmm. probably in Fayetteville proper, um, but tell us, Susan, what you know about what exists at Pinewood uh, today, and and they're slated to grow significantly grow. as well, right? They're continuing to build as we speak, and I think hoping to get up to uh, close to 30 stages by... I, I think it's that? 2022. Oh, it's 20, 22 stages by... No, no, no. The year 2020. The year 2020. Right now, from what I understand, they I believe they have five up and running. Uh, they were hoping that by the end of July, another six would be up and running. And then by the year 2022, a total of 30. But it's employing, an amazing facility when you go down there. Yeah, it's employing 3,500 people. Mm-hmm. They have their own Home Depot that's right there the only on one the in lot. The only one the world specifically for Pinewood Studios. In fact, the two of you have toured that facility and you were sharing with me a little bit about what they're planning. In some sense, it's the new model 
uh, I I dare say it doesn't exist outside of London. And, you know, they're about the same distance outside of London as they are outside of Atlanta. I I don't know if that's a coincidence. It's like 28 miles in one case, 30 in the other. But um, uh, there must be something good about that formula of being outside, uh, uh, just outside the frame. Proximity to the airport is so smart as well. Right. And they are in uh, London Mm -hmm. as well. But... um, uh, projecting seven years from now to 2022 would be uh, a major indication of the stability of the industry. We're going to talk more about the industry with Sarah Carpenter and Susan Reed of Atlanta Models and Talent right after this break. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at 11 a.m. for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. I'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Sarah Carpenter, the President, and Susan Reed, the Vice President of Atlanta Models and Talent. And we've been talking about supplying talent to the the film industry, the television industry, the commercial industrial production uh, industry. Uh, We were talking about production facilities here in Atlanta. And right before the break, I I, I mentioned that with a a production company or a a studio like Pinewood Studios and, and, and... I would like for the two of you to touch on, in just a moment, um, what Pinewood Studios is known for, in case people don't realize that they're a very illustrious studio. But I was mentioning that for them to be looking ahead to 2022, where they'll have 30 sound stages, which will make them the undisputed largest studio um, production facility in North America, that says a lot about the future of the industry in Atlanta and how uh, we, we, we won't just be the fastest growing at that point in time. We might be uh, number two. Uh, who knows? It could be number one. One of the things that 
um, has been cited as the the biggest difference between Atlanta, New York, and Los Angeles are the thousands of people that exist uh, on the production side that reside in those cities. But the number of people that are moving here to reside here and be here year-round so that we have those productions throughout the year that you talked about, Susan, that has uh, changed the landscape. But um, Pinewood Studios, um, James Bond, Right. Harry well, Potter? Uh, yeah. Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello. Um, anything else? Uh, maybe uh, The Lord of the Rings? Is that uh, a problem with students? I'm think? not sure. I, 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 I mean, the two big ones are all the James Bond movies and all the Harry Potter movies. Right. I Those mean, are the two biggest yeah, ongoing yes. uh, franchises for sure. Um, and and so they're they're big, big, big. And uh, that... that uh, that's yet uh, an, another reason that uh, the uh, industry here in Atlanta is not going to just survive, but I think thrive for many years uh, to come. Now let's step back and um, have you share with us, Sarah, how you came to this industry and then specifically to Atlanta Models and Talent. Well, I have a kind of an interesting story. I actually wanted to work in music production. And I came here, and I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta, and they had a music business institute at the time. I graduated, ended up in a recording studio, but it wasn't music. It was voiceovers for radio and television. And I dealt with this one talent agent all the time, Ted Borden, still a good friend of mine, and uh, we would get talent from him. And so while I was at the studio, uh, he and I started talking, and he needed a new assistant and I thought would that be kind of interesting so I went to work for Ted Borden from there I worked with Ted for a couple of years a casting director I dealt with called Ted said hey I'm going to hire Sarah and Ted said can you pay her more than I can (laughs) and this is Annette Stillwell of Stillwell Casting uh, still another good friend of mine and she said yes and Ted said well then I can't hold her back and then I got into casting and then from there other agencies uh, freelance production um I got out of the business a couple of times to try something else, uh, but it always just, I mean, I, I say it sucked me back in. its I feel like this industry, you don't pick this industry, it picks you. And so finally, I ended up at Atlanta Models and Talent about, well, going on nine years now, working for Kathy Hardgree, the former owner, who I knew back in the 80s. And she had told me when she interviewed me uh, that she was eventually going to want to sell the business and retire. And that just kind of piqued my interest. And so sure enough, when she, uh, it'll be going on five years that uh, I own, I had a, I had a business partner. Uh, I just bought her out, but uh, five years in January that we, that I bought the company. I I dare say she was looking for someone to bequeath the company too, because uh, a a lot of uh, business owners of successful companies aren't just looking for uh, the the biggest uh, payback on it. They're looking for someone who will uh, sustain the business and sustain a reputation and sort of is is worthy. Uh, I believe so, yes. And, and, and in our initial uh, meeting for me to come to work for her, she did say something to that effect, that she wanted to sell eventually, and I would be the type of person she would want to sell to. Well, and you know, you, you talked about uh, stepping into some other areas uh, before you came back to um, this field. Um, I think a lot of the best professionals are, are people who have done exactly that because they uh, recognize that the integration of their heart and their head was in this thing that they had been doing. 
uh, and that the grass wasn't any greener um, and that there was not only uh, green pastures but multicolored pastures back uh, in, 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 the, in, the, in the field where they had been. Susan, you, um, and you know, by the way, sir, you know, you, it wasn't that circuitous for you. There was some opportunity that evolved, uh, but you, you sort of built on uh, entertainment, performing arts. Uh, yes. And, and, and Susan, you have a, a definite evolution of building upon a set of skills that are distinctly related to, to, to what you're doing. Tell us about your background. Ron, I was a little girl with stars in my eyes at seven and wanted to be a superstar actor, and I dragged my my mom and my elder sister to auditions for a local play. My sister was an introvert. I was the extrovert. It was a production of Winnie the Pooh, and that's where things got started. Not really, (laughs) but it was Winnie the Pooh. And my sister, I was very jealous because my sister, who didn't want to have any part of this play, got Eeyore, and I was rabbit number seven. So uh, that sort of started my career. But I, I did act for many, many years, and I got into my undergraduate work and thought, gee, there are these people that are telling me what to do, and they're called directors. And I think I might like to do that. I think I like the idea of of being a bigger part of the production as a whole. And so I went on to graduate school and got an MFA in directing, and then I got out of grad school and started teaching mostly on the university level and freelance directing eventually in Atlanta. I've been here for about 20 years and directed all over town and was a staff member at a few of the professional theaters in town. And then... And an award-winning uh, director, right? Thank you. Yes, I... Yes, she is. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so modest. <laughs> very modest. <laughs> did that. The economy certainly took its toll on on a lot of different businesses. It definitely did on not for profits in the theater industry in the greater Atlanta area. And when the theater that I was working for unfortunately went under, I was really looking for a fresh start and something else to do and came knocking on the doors of Atlanta Models and Talent and that's how I started in the business. So I've always worked in the entertainment industry, yes, absolutely. But on this side of things, I really didn't think. I always saw sort of the theater and television and film as being very different, and and there wasn't a whole lot of crossover unless you were an actor. Uh, and so the opportunity to come in to, and to be part of the business, and it was at such a fortuitous time because of what's happening in Atlanta. So what I've seen in the three years at Atlanta Models and Talent has been amazing, and it's so, so exciting. It's got to be exciting uh, uh, just for the reason about the growth of uh, uh, the industry in general in this marketplace, uh, as we've uh, been uh, describing. Uh, Sarah, what advice would you give for uh, someone? We have a listener or two out there that is thinking about a career uh, as a model, an actor, a voice talent. What what, what advice would you give them um, uh at any age, um, and it may be different if they're really young versus uh, a more middle-aged person, but w- what advice would you offer? In general, I would recommend that anyone interested in getting in this business, A, do your research. Research agencies. Research their you know, uh, policies and ethics. And, and research how they take submissions and how they're looking for people. Some are not scouting for new folks. Some um, are. Some are not legit, and they're going to charge you money right up front. I mean, a legitimate agent will never charge you anything out of pocket. They make a percentage of what they book you on. Um, I also recommend to people that you don't... You want to make your first presentation to an agency the best possible because they're going to remember 
horrible pictures or, you know, a, a terrible resume or, you know, just the way you present yourself is major. Now, I'm not saying run out and spend $1,000 on headshots. Get some decent, adequate headshots. Go get some training. The training is the biggest thing. I'm over here hopping up and down in my seat. It's training, training, training. The common misnomer is that people get into this business because they love it and they think it would be fun and they think anybody can do that, do it. That is not true. The technique of acting is a lifelong, it is a craft. It is, it is as if you are a neurosurgeon. You have to do the training in order to be good at what you're doing. You just don't walk off the street and do it. I have to interject. She was just chomping at the bit to get in there and talk about the training. And it is true. It, it, in, in we say to our our working clients, if you're not constantly working, you need to be in training. Because you don't go to the gym once and come out with the super body. You have to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. So a new person, just start packing in all the training you can get. And the other thing that I might add is to be patient. Because you mentioned yes. earlier the fellow who went off for a year to uh, cultivate his acting skills and how it's paid off. I want to thank the two of you for taking the time to come on the Business Hour. I think you've done a lot to shed light on on the industry in general and to tell us about Atlanta Models and Talent. So thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Susan. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.